If you tell me you've got a desire, I'm all in. Do you want to grow? Absolutely. Take notes and make sure it improves your business. Everybody wants to grow. You deserve to validate the idea first. Most of you out there who want to grow, your issue is just starting, isn't it? It's important that people just follow what they want to do. It's an opportunity of a lifetime for all of us. The podcast is not about them growing, it's about them helping others grow. Hello and welcome to I Want to Grow, and I Want to Grow is about just that. We all want to grow in some way or another. And today our guest is a really fantastic guest. I've known him for so many years now and I'm thrilled to have him on the podcast. So Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and tell us who you are and what you do. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me. Great to see you again. And you're right, we've known each other for years now. Um, so Jeffrey Asselstein, I'm the managing director of Nelson Park Property. Uh, we've set up a property business here 14 years ago now and like to consider ourselves one of the leading real estate brokerages in the country. You are one of the leaders in the, in the real estate business here. You are. Um, where did your journey begin in Qatar, Jeffrey? When, how long have you been here? So in total, I've been in Doha. In fact, next week will be 17 years. So I arrived in October 06. Yeah, so it's will be 17 years in next week. Um, so I was in banking for a long time, as, as you know. So I had a long career with HSBC. Uh, left HSBC in 2006, joined Qatar National Bank, which is what brought me to Doha. Uh, started with them as a general manager in October 06. And then in the financial crisis, um, I was made redundant. And I used that opportunity, uh, like a lot of people do, who are looking to run their own company, run their own business. I took that as an opportunity to, to start my entrepreneurial path. And so from kind of the back end of 06 at that stage, no, sorry, 08 by that stage, uh, and then early 09 set up Nelson Park and been running it since then. And the part that I just want to pick up on there, Jeffrey, is that you were a banker. Everything was going really well. Um, you could have been there until you retired. Mm. But all of a sudden there was a, a bit of a, a shake up. And, yep. and you, was that a difficult time for you? Yeah, and it was, it was very difficult. The, um, and you're right. I've had, the words you said is always how I felt, that I'd been banking for my entire career um, and that the risk of frankly, losing my job was very small and it was something I never really contemplated and no was concerned about. But um, although it feels, when I hear the number, oh wait, I know it's 15 years ago, it still feels like yesterday. And um, so for those, you know, in the early 20s, they'd have been nine or 10 years old. So they don't appreciate that that was, it was a seismic shift uh, in the global financial system and particularly the banking market. And so for me, yeah, it was, it was very, very difficult time. Um, really, frankly, rocked my confidence uh, a huge amount. Um, it was mainly because it was something I never thought would, I'd ever have to be concerned about. Uh, I was actually saying to someone the other day, you know, my banking career, I never once worried about my paycheck. And the great thing is working for a bank, the bank that pays you is your bank into your bank account. So literally it was always just there on the day it's supposed to be there. And I never once ever thought about it nor worried about it nor considered that it wouldn't be there. So when that change happened, yeah, it was, uh, it was seismic. It was a big, big change. A big, big change. But I, I, what fascinates me with you is, is it how you all of a sudden went from, 
you had to learn so many different skills. Mm. There was, because you were coming out of banking um, back in 2008, that's when I came. Yeah. Um, it wasn't easy to set up a business. It, you needed to f find a Qatari partner. Yeah. And that's just on its own, let yeah. alone think about what industry you wanted to go into. Mm. What Was it an easy step to go into um, real estate or was it a, a kind of something that you, you had to grow into? Yeah, I mean, the grow is the right word. I, a phrase I like to use is that um, I thought it'd be really, really easy and I was totally wrong. I thought it'd be a, an easy change. I've always loved real estate, so I'd always personally involved, I was already personally invested in real estate. I was involved as a banker in a number of real estate transactions, uh, ran a retail, part of a retail bank, so knew, knew real estate from the banking side very, very well, and from the mortgage side, so I had a pretty good understanding of it. And so I felt really confident, and, and as I said, I thought it would be easy, and I was just wrong. And what I, what I like to say to people is, if I, known, if I had known at the beginning what it would have taken to get there, I don't think I would have done it. But now that I've done it, I'm glad that I did it. How many people do you think are like that? Oh, uh, because you look at it and you go, you didn't have those fear. Yeah, I think what's, what's the phrase? Uninformed optimism. Right? Very good one. Yeah, yeah so like. just, just going ahead and, and, and just doing it. Um, I actually hired an executive coach um, at that time. So in the first sort of few months when I, was, when I left the bank, um, I wasn't sure what to do. I was debating it. I talked to a number of people about it. And so I hired an executive coach because I was, I was looking for different jobs. In fact, I was, well, I was applying for banking jobs. Um, and one of, the, one of the challenges is that as you move more senior in an organization, there are less and less roles for you. So if you're a general manager of a bank and I've been CEO of a bank, there's only so many roles. And it's not like there are a lot of roles available. So you can't say, I'll just, well, since I've lost my job, I'll go become a CEO of another bank. Um, it doesn't quite happen that easily. And it's much more difficult to get a new role when you're not in a role. Being headhunted is one thing, which is what happened to me from HSBC to QNB. But when you're out of position, it's really hard to get back in. Um, and so when I was, um, when I was contemplating it, and I was looking at different roles, looking at different things. Uh, one of my friends who used to be, used to work at IMD, the, um, the, the, the education, um, the higher education company in, in Lausanne, he reached out to me and uh, through a series of discussions, he became my executive coach. And so him and I had a number of things where we were analyzing what it, I'd like to do in the future, what my skill set is. And I'll never forget what he said. Um, maybe it was about the third or fourth session. He said, listen, I can do three more sessions for you. And, uh, and let you pay for it, or I can just tell you. And for those that know coaching, they're not supposed to just tell you, but after the fourth one, he said, listen, let me just tell you, because I'll save you, then we can deal with the next bit. And he goes, you need to run your own business. You're just afraid. Uh, and it's exactly what it was. I was just afraid of failing. And so we just worked through the fear over the next two or three sessions uh, of what I needed to do, what I needed to address, and then use that as the, the kind of launching point to, to do the company. How important was that coach? How, oh, how? Without him, I wouldn't be, I would, I, I, he was a massive catalyst to that. And, and that, why I reflect on that discussion all the time, because he was absolutely right. I was just afraid, right? And mo for most of us, all issues, it's, it's just down to fear, right? What is, what holds us back? What drives us on? It can be the same thing. Uh, but often fear has such a major role to play. And in my case, uh, I was afraid of failing. So, um, 
when I say a lot of people, a lot of people talk about running their own businesses and, and a lot of us, you know, we all want to be our own boss. It's a very common phrase. Oh, I want to be my own boss one day. I want to be my own boss one day. And as did I. And I, I had had some entrepreneurial experience when I was much younger. Uh, my brother had always worked for himself. My sister had her own business. My father and mother had their own business for a number of years. So I kind of came from that. Uh, although in later years, um, you know, dad's role changed and he worked for a company for quite a long time. Uh, but that was, it was always kind of in my mind uh, about working for myself. And my best friend had run his own software firm for the better part of 25 years. So I had a lot of people around me that were always into that that uh, that environment. So I was always keen to get back into it. But frankly, in my banking days, the bank took really good care of me. And it was very hard to leave a very safe, secure environment to become an entrepreneur. Losing your job helps. You take all that security away and you have a global financial crisis where there are not a lot of jobs available. And suddenly you think, okay, well, now is my chance. And, and thankfully, I had a, a bit of backing um, just from my previous career. I had a bit of liquidity available to allow me to, to, to do it without you know, without a hundred percent risk that some people may starting off the very beginning may go through. So I had a bit of, uh, liquidity behind me, which helped out a lot. I needed every penny of it and, and more, uh, but it certainly helped me get going. But, uh, overcoming the fear and the role of that coach was a massive part of that. And, and I, I don't want to go too far into your family thing, but that must've been a bit quite scary. Really? You've got a family yeah. and, and, and you're now out of a job and now you're going to count on the one person yeah. that you've never relied on because you've been in the bank and it was always comfortable, mm. but now you were going to start up a new business and there must have been so many uncertainties. Yeah, there was. I, my, uh, my middle daughter, Rebecca, paid me a huge compliment a few years ago. We were watching the movie Too Big to Fail, um, which movie, you know, it's about the financial crisis. And I've always really liked the movie, although it's, it hits in many different ways when I watch it. So we were watching the movie together. So they're now, again, much older. So I was explaining, explaining some of the financial concepts and what was happening in the movie. So in the movie, there's a scene where Lehman Brothers collapses. And in the scene, everyone's walking out with their boxes, like you always see, right? Walking, walking out of Wall Street offices with their boxes of all their junk from their desk. And I said, oh, that was the weekend that I was fired. And they went, what? They said, oh, that weekend, that weekend that Lehman Brothers went down, so did I. And Rebecca said, you know, I remember that happening, but I don't remember feeling it. And oh. I said, I said, you just pay me the biggest compliment because that's my job, was to protect you so you don't feel it. Uh, and it's not, it's not always easy. But, um, but that was my role as, as their father to make sure that they were protected from that, uh, that massive change. And it's not, it's not always possible. Uh, thankfully it was able to work out that way, but, um, uh, but that's, you know, part of our roles is to smooth that out for the family. But, but how you can look back at those times with a comment from your daughter and you look at those comments and you think, yeah, yeah, I did my job. Yeah. Well, that's. You know, you're an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur. A lot of people look at entrepreneurs and think we do it for the money. And um, that's a byproduct. It's all about freedom. Yeah. Right? Being an entrepreneur is all about freedom. Freedom of time, freedom of relationship, freedom of uh, financial freedom, uh, and, and how, you spend, how you spend your life. That's the goal of every entrepreneur is freedom. Um, and so, and part of that freedom is being able to let the family and, and the kids in this particular case feel that everything's okay. Um, they may have noticed that their quality of business travel, business travel dropped and the number of holidays they had dropped, which it did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, we, I did my best to smooth that out. Ah, yeah. nice one. Yeah. And Jeffrey, when, when, so you, you start the business, when did you say, right, okay, 
what do I go into? What is it that, yeah. and what did you go into? Well, I, I don't think I did the right thing, frankly. I, I effectively did, well, two companies initially at the same time, and the third company kind of came along about a year later. Um, and so I set up, I started consulting for banks, right? You're, you're a banker your whole life. People think you know banking. So I started doing consulting for banks, and that was working okay. Uh, and then I, I, I kind of changed that from consulting for banks to being a recruiter for banks, because whenever I was doing consulting, the, the companies I was working for would say, do you know any good people for these, for these roles? So I started doing recruitment as well. And at the same time, I set up the property company um, just because I always had a, a, a joy of it. And so why I said it was a mistake, because um, you really need to focus. You know, again, the event we were at last night, uh, you yeah. know, I think Marcel, uh, so eruditely refers to doing your KPIs and focus, focus on customer acquisition. And I was just trying to do as many things as possible to try to generate revenue, you know, for the things I talked about earlier. Um, and I wasn't sure which one was going to work. And so I, I try to do the same of the two, uh, I try to do two at the same time, which basically means you do both of them poorly. Um, but then as I got going and doing both, I was so scared of, letting the wrong one go, I kept them both going. So, yeah, it yeah. took a while to make that choice. You, you don't know which is the pot of gold, right? Right. You just don't know which one. And that's, that's what hit me here when I, when I was in Qatar, because you're, you're, you're so undecided. It's, it's kind of, which one is it? Which one is going to be that yeah. winner? Yeah. And it, you just didn't know, except thinking that it was you that was the winner. Mm. You just had to start it. You yeah. just had to get going. And if, if I was to do it again, even if I would have chosen the other one that was not property, if I was to stay with recruitment, maybe that would have been successful. I, I realized I don't really like the industry. Uh, I think it's an industry that's extremely challenging in, industry. Um, real estate is as well, but it's different. Um, I think even if I would have chosen the other one, I just would have done it better than what I did. And I think... I wish with Nelson Park property, I wish I would have chosen that earlier too, because I would have saved two years of mm -hmm. trying to do half of them. I'm trying to do both with, with half my effort. Yeah. yeah. And, and we talk about Nelson Park to where you are today. Yeah. Did you, did you, did you really visualize that you were going to be where you are today? Yes. It was always the, it was always the plan. Uh, when I, and when I say that, um, I don't say it arrogantly. I just say that when I started, it was never to be, in my view, it was never to be a two or three man operation or two or three person operation. It was always to be something very large. Um, that's why your podcast name is so perfect, right? I want to grow because I'm, yeah. I'm very growth focused. I always believe in a bigger and brighter future than my past. And that was the key thing for me. So <clears throat> I remember when, I remember hiring my fifth agent and having to convince her that we'd be fine, that five's not too many. And she goes, but you already have four, you know, is there enough room in the market for a fifth agent? Uh, and then thankfully I was able to convince her that it was fine, uh, that adding a fifth person wasn't, you know, I'm adding a fifth person, I'm adding one agent to the entire economy. Uh, okay, I'm increasing my number mathematically by 25%, but it, there's more than enough business for a lot of agents. Um, so, you know, I remember saying in one of my team meetings with that very young team at the time, you know, if I told you what I really wanted to go, I'd probably scare you all. So I'll just tell you, I want to keep growing. My ambitions from the beginning was always to have a, a very material company. And, yeah. and I, I, I know you from, from quite a few years now, and it's been a joy. We, we used to sit together every mm. single week 
um, come rain, come shine. Indeed. On a Thursday. Mainly shine. The <laughs> yeah, of course. Mainly shine. <laughs> a few dust, dust clouds. <laughs> but, it was, um, but we always used to sit down in a coffee shop yep. and go over what we'd achieved that week. Mm. But the things that strike me with you is that, that everybody, I, I, I can hear some people, because some people look at it and go, yeah, yeah, but you're a banker. You must have had a plenty of money and mm. it must have been easier for you. It mm. was not easier. It's not easy trying to run your own business and trying, as we spoke about last night, mm. building a successful team. Yeah, no, it is. And I think that's, I think that's the most challenging part is, is building the team. It, it did. I'll, I'll never deny, I, I referred to it earlier, that having some liquidity at the beginning certainly helped. But I, I blew through all of it very quickly. Um, you know, I, mean, I'll, I don't share many numbers, but I'll happily share that I lost 200,000 reals in my first year. And so that, it was gone. Right. And after the first year, I, I literally changed everyone in the company and started again. After one year, I thought it's not working. I've got to change the model. I've got to change everything and, and, and have another go at it. Because um, I, I really believed in it from the beginning and I believed it was possible to be successful at it. I just done it incorrectly. Um, you know, it's interesting. I look back and I look at the, you know, in our business, it's very interesting. You know, you have a lot of competitors, but you actually work with other brokerages. So if I list sort of the main competitors that I have here, I know them all well. And in many ways, we're friends because we, we share deals. We work together on deals. We work together on properties together, but we also technically compete with each other. But if I look back when I started, there's only one of them existed. So the vast majority of what I'd call today my competitors didn't exist then. So it's not, say, like when I look at Dubai today, I don't look at that market or the Doha market and say, oh, there, well, there's this company, this company, this company, this company. None of them existed. So it was a really immature market at the time. And in many ways, there's still a lot of maturity to come. But it was very, very early in, 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 the, um, in the market development stage. Um, so yeah, again, having the, the sort of financial background in the beginning it did help a lot, but um, I don't think anything, I'm sure you do, you would agree, nothing really prepares you for actually doing it. It's so like somebody has, they go to have kids, right? Yeah. Kids don't come yeah. in the manual and you, know, yeah. you don't have any kids and suddenly you have a kid. It's a lot different than what you think it's going to be. <laughs> and, it, and it is tough. Like you said, you, you lost 200,000 in those two years. And, but in, the, in that time, the, that fear that you've got to go through on your own, mm. What were those strengths that pulled you through? What were those things that helped you kind of overcome the, the, the doubt? Yeah. Um, uh, advice I give to a lot of people when, when, when asked is, is, is never, never give up. Um, there may come a time, now I did actually close the other company. Uh, so there came a time you said, well, I did give up on that. And, and I did, I made a choice between the two. Um, I remember having a conversation with my brother one day and, and, and I said, is God testing me, testing me to see if I'm going to keep going or is he just trying to tell me to stop and I should start listening to him? I don't know which of the two it is. So what's he doing? Is he telling me, I'm, I'm trying to tell you to stop, but you're, you're too stubborn to listen or I'm just testing you to see, can you keep going? And I'm still not sure if I know the answer. I think it was the keep going one, but I remember having that discussion with him uh, back home quite a few years ago. And, and I think for a lot of people and for a lot of entrepreneurs, the, um, you know, the challenge is you just keep going and keep going. If you really believe in what you're doing and, you know, I, I, a lot of people say, well, it has to work. And, you know, because, uh, you know, her, say looking for funding, as we discussed last night, I've heard people say, and certainly my banking days, well, what, what's your plan B? And there is no plan B. If it doesn't work, it, it has to work. Well, it doesn't. 
it doesn't actually have to work. Now, you can have that positivity, and it's great to be positive, but it may not. But if you feel strong enough that you see it's a case of, well, actually, if I just tweak the model more, change the model more, and, and, and keep working at it, that you might break through. If I look at the model that I run the business today, it's completely different than what I ran it for the first five years. And I changed it and changed it and changed it until I got it to a place where I was happy with it and it was successful. But I'm still changing it today because the market doesn't stand still and your competitors don't stand still. So I think, you know, for a lot of people, just don't give up. Keep going, keep going, keep going. I even refer to this to, to um, this, this course I belong to. You know, last week I, I said, you know, whenever something really bad happens in the market, whether it's economically or like we're going through a bit of a challenging time right now in, in Qatar economically, uh, you know, I don't say it again with arrogance, but really confidence that whatever I'm going through, so everybody else's as well. So it, the economy is not attacking Nelson Park property. We're all part of it. And it's difficult. It's a real challenge, but my competitors are going through the same. So, and I steal this line from my brother. I remember asking my brother one time, what makes you successful? And he said two things. No one works as hard as I do, and I never lie. And I've always looked at those two things as a great piece of advice. And I'll just, I'll just outwork everybody, if that's what it comes down to. I remember even... When was the, during COVID, when things were looking really bleak, you couldn't even run your businesses. I remember saying, if I have to go down to only me as the last agent standing, I'll do that and I'll rebuild it again. Now, thank the Lord, we never had to do that. In fact, we never let anybody go. Um, but you have to have that confidence and that strength and to keep going when, when things are difficult. And that's testament because we used to do our meetings online mm. um, during COVID. It was testament to you that, that we used to speak about these things about letting stuff go or how do, how were we reacting and how I, I remember when I was reacting, I wanted to shut down. Yeah. But it was my business partner that said, you can't shut down. There's other people that want to talk to you. There's other people that you've got to help. And that, mm. that's the one thing. I know that your your team is is virtually, I won't say, I, yeah, I can pretty much say this, this t your team is so valuable to you. Mm. You've 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 take you take so much time and effort with them, and you talk with them and you try to develop them. Mm. How was that when you first started off to take those first employees on? Yeah, I think the well, the challenge at the very beginning was the agents I was hiring knew nothing about real estate, and and nor did the owner. I didn't know. You know, I, I'm sure I've told you the story about doing my very first viewing when I had one client, one property. And they didn't take it. And I didn't know what to do. I remember getting back in the car thinking, this is going to be a little bit more difficult than I thought. Because I showed them the property and I said, your budget was 15. This is 14. You wanted a three bed. This is a four bed. Like, what's your problem? I've given you everything you want. And they said, well, what else do you have? I don't have anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell them, but you're, you're my first viewing with my only property and you're my only client. And then, you know, somehow 14 years later, we have a team of 40 people and a thousand properties. But on that first day, I thought, okay, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, and I better dig in a little bit harder to, to keep it going. But that must have been really tough at the beginning. I, I'm just thinking about it. What happens if you sold it that day? Where's your... your well, I'm done. You're done. I'm closing my one deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I better go get another client, another property. But, but talking about that, because this is something else that for those, those people out there, you've got to keep the foot on the pedal. Yeah. So you, can, you haven't got time in your business to look up and say, yeah, I've just sold one. Well done. Yeah. Pat on the back. I, well, I have a little tradition that I, I don't know if I've shared this with you. When I sell a property, I have a tradition. I go for a coffee and a donut. It was like, that's my, like, okay, great. 
take the time aside, celebrate it, back at it. Has it got to be Tim Hortons? Absolutely. <laughs> by, by, by law of Canadian, by decree of His Majesty the King to the uh, Commonwealth of Canada. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's, but, but it is those little things that keep you going, right? It's, it's those little things. Now you've got, I, I'm not even going to, I don't know where you stand. I remember it was used to be 30 you yeah. had. Yeah. How, many, how many staff have you got now? Yeah, so in total staff around, uh, around 40, 45. Um, so predominantly still very much a real estate business, uh, sorry, a real estate brokerage business. We ne- we've now added on valuation. Uh, so that's, we have three people in our valuation team and that's growing really well. Um, extremely successfully actually. So I'm really, really proud of that. Um, and we're also, we've just opened up in Dubai. We had our first agent, our office manager started about a month and a half ago. Our first agent started last week. And our goal is, because we're coming into October to have four agents on board by the end of October. Um, so we're from that perspective, we're looking really good and we're looking to build that market rapidly. You, you kind of, um, and I've, I, again, I've, I've, I've been on your journey to a certain de- degree. What was it like with that? That f- I, I know that we always spoke about expanding and what we were going to do, but it was never something that you, you were quite happy with the marketplace Abs- here. Absolutely right, Steve. You're I right. didn't see any didn't time see that you yeah. want. No, I didn't see it coming. Hmm. I didn't see it coming. What gave you the edge? Yeah, no, I think that's a, you're absolutely right. I, I never talked about it. And I'm a big fan of Dubai. I love Dubai. I, I've been there probably like a million times, you know, socially, business-wise. I've been there so many times. And I'd always looked at it and thought, you know what, I'm, I'm just really quite happy here, um, which I am. But somewhere around this time last year, last probably last summer, I started looking at the market and seeing where the growth, again, I want to grow, where the growth potential was. And I still think there's a lot of upside potential for us in Doha. But I thought for us as a company, it's just one of those kind of light switch moments where I thought if I really want to grow, I need to expand and, and take the brand into another country. And we have a neighbor right beside us, which is a similar but not identical market. Uh, easy to get to, easy to work with. Let's look at opening there. And so just it was sometime last summer, I just really clicked that I need to. And it was, it was a combination of growth and risk diversification that I wanted to, to have a look at. I, th- I, I, I kind of applaud you so much it's untrue because it's not easy going into another country and being able to manage it to mm-hmm. the same degree that you're doing. I, I, I kind of, I, I had a business when I first came here back in the UK, I just couldn't do it because yeah. they wanted to see Steve Mackey. Mm. And that was a downside of my mm. business because I couldn't replicate myself in two countries. Does that, do those things, those things worry you in, yeah. in that respect? Yeah, it's, it's a, it worries me in that it's a concern. It's a, it's an issue that I have to tackle, right? Because I can't be in two places at once. And what I've tried to do over the last two years is move myself much more to the day-to-day in Qatar. Uh, so I would say if I had made the choice two years ago to move into Dubai, I wasn't ready as a business because I was too much involved in the day-to-day. Um, I've really made a lot of efforts the last two years to change that so that I can be more involved in Dubai now. And the great thing is in opening up a new country, um, although I'm very heavily involved in the day-to-day, I'm going to make sure that doesn't become the case that as soon as we start building up the team that I'll have people in place that I'm not in the nitty gritty so much as I was in Doha in the early years. What those those key factors, because everybody talks about expanding, talks about these different things. What what was a what were the things that you needed to make sure on a constant basis, even with the, the being it so, um, it's not been a long time. But what are those things that, that you had to put in place in the beginning just to make sure that you had that control 
yeah. a, a real benefit that we've had. Um, if we look at, I mean, real estate can be quite a simple business in many ways. You need, you need two things. You need property, you need clients. And then the third one being the new agents to bring the two together. Um, if you have lots of clients, but no property, you've got a problem. Lots of property, no clients, you've got a problem either or the other, but no agents, you've got an issue. So it's, it's really key to get all three of those together. So what's been really beneficial for us, given our brand here and the relationship we had with many Dubai, Dubai developers before we opened up. So we were able to say, well, you know us in Qatar, we're now just opening in Dubai. So we're able to sign up very quickly with, with Imar, Shoba, Damak, uh, to name three, um, but have been very welcomed by a lot of developers in Dubai for us to open up. Um, I was able to hire one of our agents that worked for us in Doha who had moved to Dubai. I was able to hire her to join our team, so to come back to us in Dubai, which is great. Um, so that really helped a lot. But the, the key thing is just getting those initial, you know, a few, you know, a few client, uh, a few developers in place from the very beginning, and, and in this case, four agents that are going to be joining us. Uh, really making sure those first few hires are done well, and staying very close to the to the business as we do that, and then the clients will follow. The clients will follow as we go through that. I, th I think it's um, I think it's brilliant what you're doing. Well, you you mentioned just now, and I I, I went to an event the other night with um, Zumra. And um, there was, it was, I, I like the group because you've got the mixture of expats and Qataris, similar numbers. And um, it, there was a, a big frank conversation and people said the real estate marketplace here is, is down. Okay. With that, how is it a buyer's market? Or not a buyer's market. Is it a renter's market? Is it, is the prices coming down? What are the problems in the, in the um, real estate or is there problems? I don't think there's a problem necessarily. I think, you know, when, whenever anybody asks me, how's the real estate market? I always say, are you a buyer, a seller, a tenant or a landlord? So I'll give you a different answer depending on who you are. Yeah. So right now it's a very good time to be a tenant. Okay. Right. So rents have come down past the world cup. Um, they pretty much stopped falling depending on the market. And we started seeing some increases now. Um, so from, but it's been a good time over the last year to be a tenant the year before that, it wasn't a good time to be a tenant. So is the market up or down? Well, depends what you are, uh, for, so for landlords, as the market's picking up and the population seems to be growing again, uh, properties are getting filled, there's greater demand. So from landlord side, that's getting better. Uh, I cannot really see any price growth on the rental side, but certainly it appears that the falling of, uh, you know, the, the degree, the decreases have stopped good news for landlords, maybe not such good news for tenants, but the fact that they're just holding steady is probably good news for everybody on the sales side. Um, I think they've held pretty firm. The, the one big thing that a lot of people don't realize is the vast majority of people you'll speak to are tenants and in most normal markets, the sales prices and the rental prices kind of move in lockstep. They go up and down together. Um, here they don't. If I, if I look at, I'll just use the Pearl as an example. Um, the Pearl you see, you can walk in, you see loads of towers, loads of property. And so people think, oh, but prices are falling in the Pearl and they were early part of the year. So therefore sales prices will follow. They haven't. There's just not that many properties for sale. So no surprise. What determines the price? Supply and demand. And just the properties, for, the amount of property for sale in the Pearl, the supply has always been very limited. So prices don't tend to fall. Or if they do, it'd be a small amount 
particularly relative to prices for rental properties, where effectively four new towers came on board January 1st. About 1,000 units came to the market January 1st. And so that had a major impact. So you suddenly have four towers empty, available for the market, so that all had to be absorbed into the market. And that's been pretty much done over the last nine months. Um, that's why rents are starting to stabilize there. But from a sales perspective, there wasn't just suddenly lots of empty sales units. No, it's still the same number. Mm. Like if you ask me, Jeff, I really want to buy a two-bedroom full marina view property, I've got two. I don't have 50. I can show you one of two. And say, well, the price is too high, I'm not buying it. Okay, then the landlord's not, the owner's not selling it. So pr sale prices don't fluctuate that much here. Okay, so, so I've got a load of clients coming over right now. Yeah. Um, I say clients, uh, let's talk about foreign investors coming yeah. here. Um, they want to get involved in those areas and they want to, the, it, it's, um, is it a good marketplace for them to purchase property right now? Yeah, well, I think the, I always look at what are the key drivers of, of a real estate market and the number, the number one driver to me for Qatar is that the economic fundamentals of the country are so solid. Um, I compare that to, to, you know, to many, many other countries whose fundamentals are, are not near as solid with the, the very, very strong gas market, the very strong export market that the country has for gas and the ability of the country to raise funds from that basis uh, provides a lot of stability. And I mean, to me, that underpins everything. Uh, and since that start is the sort of the underpinning of what's going on, um, that gives me, first of all, a lot of confidence. The tax regime is excellent. Um, zero tax is still zero. And so whatever revenue you generate, zero tax. Capital gains, zero tax. So if you compare that to, say, a 30% tax rate, zero is pretty good. Um, pretty hard to beat, actually, yeah. as well. Right? Yeah. So that... I think sometimes it's underestimated the benefit of that tax regime. When you're able to earn all your revenue, all your rental revenue, all your capital gains revenue is tax-free, that has a major reflection on your IRR, your internal rate of return on what you can earn on a project compared to what you would earn in other countries. Because when, when people often look at rates of return for other countries, they don't figure in the tax. And that has a major impact. In the UK, you probably know, uh, the government abolished the ability to write off your interest for taxes. That had a major impact on yeah. me. Yep. Suddenly, all my rental revenue was fully taxed at the highest rate, whereas before I could write off all the interest. I can't now. Major impact, yep. right? It really decreased my net revenue on real estate in England because of the change in tax tax laws. Yeah, and that, that's that's where we, because we, I, I suppose, in talking about this, when they're attracting foreign businesses here. Um, people say, oh, there's a slowdown. There's no, I don't think there's a slowdown mm. at all because mm. Qatar is an attractive country to come yeah. and establish yourselves. Yeah. And there's so many benefits, especially when you say about the taxes in the UK, taxes in France, taxes in Sweden. Mm. I know that there's Canada. advantage Canada. Yeah. There's, there's loads of advantages. Yeah. Um, and as you said, it's a, it's a stable climate here mm. that there's very little crime here right um more and more people are saying to you that's an ideal situation to yep. come yep. and big companies are coming jeffrey yeah and you know I, I earlier on i said you know economic things are difficult right now and i i do think they are in in that i you know after the world cup we knew there'd be a bit of a slowdown and i think the expectation of things bouncing back and i was certainly one to say it i thought would have bounced back quicker um, it's been slower than expected, but I, I already feel the change. So there's really positive change. And I think that will continue to come. And again, I'll stress, but the underlying economic fundamentals are so strong compared to many other countries that we know and love. 
the economic fundamentals here are so strong. I think, okay, this is just maybe a slow down period or a, not slow down, but a slower period of growth. Uh, and I think that growth will come back. And I think, you know, I was kind of hoping it'd be March or April of this year. I'm starting to see it now. And I think next year is going to be a very good year. So for next year, I'm really optimistic as things move forward. Yeah, I think, I, th I think you're right. I think that, that it's, it's, um, we've got a busy time coming in. We've got yeah. the expo coming in. That's going to attract a lot more interest. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to attract, attract a lot more businesses once yep. they see the place once mm -hmm. they experience the place you've got the the football coming in again um and then the the web summit next year and your um, formula one next week formula weekend. one yep. yeah formula one exactly uh the geneva motor show oh, that's here. right Actually, i'm really interested in that yeah, yeah. so i i think that the things are really positive i know yeah. that it's been there was a downspell and i think that was because of the world cup i don't think people realize just how much there was going to be a bit of a dang yeah. a, a slowdown yeah. um but i i don't know about you jeffrey but I, I we tried to what i'm what i do today is what i'm going to reap in six months time oh, always and i think that, that some some companies really did take their eye off the ball mm -hmm. not everybody was involved in the world cup and i think that there was though there was a bit more that we could have done we we slowed down a little yeah. i know that we did yeah. uh, i i took um the the world cup it was a fantastic time for me but i think it took us a bit of time to get back on the yeah, horse again so. yeah and I, you know i in all sincerity you know the whether it's Ashgal, the government overall you know they're a massive project the entire world was looking at them so we had you know that uh huge building project that we've had for all those years all the attention covid a little issue with our neighbors that took a lot of effort yeah. and i think if i'm if i'm uh, if i'm one of the senior people i've been probably pretty tired by the end of it and wouldn't mind a bit of a break but i think i think it's it's time to get back now but that's that's kind of how i see it i mean there was a huge amount of effort and okay that's a well-deserved break's been had and i think that's not just that's just in my kind of general feeling but yeah. that's that's a wonderful way of putting it because um we're talking about our businesses and you're telling us the successes you've had there's been a lot of pain with that also mm. because that's what comes with running your own business but it's when you're pushing those boundaries your comfort zones yeah. you're you're trying to grow yeah. um you just imagine what it's like to grow a country Oh, I and to keep I the stability imagine. and to keep all these things into check in the education and the medic, the, the healthcare and the, all the other things. I, no. I, I don't know how they managed it. No. And as you said, looking at those, those times, the COVID, th that COVID period, they looked after, the, everything was taken care of to oh, yeah. a certain degree. Yeah. They, were, um, they were doing a lot with the food and um, making sure that the, that the prices didn't go up. They'd done wonderful things. And, and again, with the embargo, it was, it was a great time because everybody came together. Mm. And I think that's the spirit that you've got within Qatar. And I, I, and I, and I think that's going to just keep on growing sure. and get better. Yep. even better yep. um with the startup ecosystem I, i'm going to talk about this because we were at the same event last night um how do you see the startup ecosystem here in in, in qatar hmm it's it's so it's funny because i i almost felt you know again i my my i started 14 years ago so it seems like a long time ago that i was um that i was really part of that nascent beginning um or nascent situation i think the uh I think there are a lot of opportunities for people who want to start up their own business. I think the um, kind of what we were saying before we started the recording. I think the uh, I think there's a, there are challenges, 
but, but not Qatar specific. I think there are challenges for any startup um, to, to, to get going. I think, you know, one of the, um, with all the, with, with all the press around, you know, people say like a Mr. Beast, you know, influencer becomes a, a billionaire. Unfortunately, I should make a joke about that. I believe that let's say certain members of a certain family becoming billionaires from selling lipstick that there can be viewed that it's, it's easy. And all you need to do is have an app mm. and that can make you a billionaire. And I think there, there might be a, a this isn't a Qatar specific comment. It's more, I think there might be a bit of an issue that either becoming famous as an influencer or becoming a very successful entrepreneur uh, just kind of happens automatically because you want to do it. And, and people will race to fund you and give you money. It's okay that you don't have any money or any experience. People will race to give you money and you'll build it and you'll sell it to Google and, and make billions. I think, um, I think I, f I forget the phrase, I'll get it wrong, but something I heard said that the problem with success is it looks an awful lot like work. Uh, and you kind of wear coveralls and it looks like work. That's what success is. You just got to, you know, that's what the, the night, the name of the event last night, startup grind. I thought grind is an absolute word. You, you've got to graph, you got to grind, you got to work at it. So what I think with the ecosystem, I, I think it's fine. I think you, people just need to work, you know, um, when, uh, there's a joke, which I never tell that nobody finds that funny when people ask me, what do I do for the summer? Like, well, I worked. That's what I did for the summer. Yeah. Right. And if you want to run a startup and you want to build it, you want to get your clients, as Marcel said last night, many times, you want to build up your relationships and your client base. You've, you've got to work at it. It's not, it's not going to happen because you wish it to happen. Uh, and although there's a lot of opportunities for, for tech startups, and it will be unicorns and billionaires and, and things like that will always happen. But the vast majority of SMEs just got to graft and work hard and make it happen. And, uh, and I'm going to then go back into your business. What were those things that we spoke about last night that it's just fundamental to your business? Yeah, it's all about clients. Yeah, that, that's it, right? You've, you know, I said, what are the three things? You know, I have property, I need clients, and I need agents. So, you know, who are my clients? My clients are my agents and my job, and it was Branson that said it, my job is to take care of my team. My team's job is to take care of the clients. And that's the the right way of looking at it. I've got to take care of my team. My team got to take care of the clients. And 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 when you take your eye off the ball uh, of of who your clients are, that's where you suffer. And and when you look at companies that struggle, that you know, whenever you look at a you know, particularly large company that fails, particularly one that's been in business a long period of time, is they've taken the eye off the ball of the clients, of who the clients are, what's happening in the market. It all comes down to that. And we all get busy and, and, and we all get tied up with things. But if you, if you, you forget who your clients are, they're the ones that are paying the bills, right? They're the ones that are buying your product. Um, if you forget who they are, you're in big trouble. And that, I think that's the number one thing to look at. Who are your clients? How do I serve them? How do I make them happy? How do I create systems to make my team happy to make them successful so that they're serving the clients and then we all win. If you lose sight of that, that's where you have your, your difficulties. I, I kind of, I'm, I'm lis listening to you, but I'm also thinking to myself, he's grown 50% mm. since the last time I, I yeah. we spoke about this. Yeah. What kind of, you, you say your team is really important to you because they look after your clients and the clients are everything. But what was it like growing by fifty percent? That must have been that must have been easy, or was it? No, at, it, it's always it's always hard, and I think you just 
you really kind of take one, I don't know if it's one day at a time or one month at a time or a week at a time. Um, you know, you set out your stall, you set your vision and, um, and you keep, you keep at it. And as I said earlier, you just, you don't give up, you keep focusing, keep focusing. And sometimes you take an unpopular view within your own team, even within your own clients. But if you, if you're stuck with the view, then stick with it. And if you find you keep sticking with it and you're wrong, then you change. But if you really believe in the, the vision, you've got to go with it. You kind of stick with it and stick with it until you find out whether you're right or wrong. The market will tell you, right? As Dan Sullivan, the strategic coach I belong to, you tested on check writers. Right? You've got an idea, um, you know, when somebody pays, you know, so much money for a footballer, is that, are they worth that money? Well, yeah. Somebody wrote the check. That's how you know. So are they worth it or not? Well, they are worth it because somebody wrote the check for it. And is your service worth it? If someone's writing the check, then it's worth it. And, you know, a lot of people complain about Jeff Bezos being worth so much money. Well, stop buying from Amazon then. But if you like their product, you like their service, and you're happy with it, then continue to use it. If you don't like it, stop using them. If you don't like them to make so much money, that's a different issue. But if you like the service, you'll keep it going. And I think the key thing is with any entrepreneur or any business is you've got to keep crafting away and keep working to make it happen. Does those, those sleep, you, you don't have any sleepless nights anymore, Jeffrey? Oh, of course I do. Yeah, no, it's, I, I'm, I, I sleep really well, actually, but, uh, you know, the, um, something I've shared with you before, I always count every day, you're going to have at least three pieces of negative news and it just, that's just part of it. That's not being negative. It's just part of running your own business. Um, you know, I don't sit in my office just waiting for a flood of good news all day. I get a lot of good news, but you're also going to get negative news and that's part and parcel of running a business. And, and again, you've got, I will you've got probably one of the best um, real estate companies, independent real estate companies in Qatar. Mm -hmm. How do you keep that? How do you keep that? Because you've had that for quite a few years now. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for the compliment. I think the, yeah, you've, you've got to keep focus. Um, and your, your, your competitors don't stand still, right? As I said, I know most of the competitors that I have. And again, we work together um, on deals and I look at them and I think, oh, that's what they've done. It's really good there. They're better than us at that. So what do I need to do to get better than them? So I'm always, you should always keep a really good eye on what your competitors are doing and see, are they, you know, if they're starting to do things better than you are, you know, what do you need to do to keep ahead of them? Um, there's enough business for all of us, frankly, but I don't want to just sit back. If you sit back and you go stale, you'll lose out over time. I, th I think one of my sayings, or I've always had this saying, is, is stand still, you're moving backwards. Yeah. yeah. Because you, and you're in an industry that it, that's so precise. You, yeah. you stand still. People, there's so much competitors, right? And, and in any industry, there's so many competitors. And there is always going to be somebody a little bit hungrier than you. So you've got to find that competitive yeah. edge yeah. constantly. Now, if there's a market that's really easy, let me know about it because I don't know of it. And if you find it, let me know, then I'll join it and we'll make it competitive. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you totally. Uh, and I, I, I want, with, with you sitting with me now, you've got so much. I, I remember you saying to me at this stage is, um, Steve, and this was after a few years of um, sitting with you, you'd say to me, Steve, come on, 
I still don't know what you do. Right. Yeah, I remember. I remember, that. I remember those those times. Do you remember what, and, do you remember what I do? And, and <laughs> I, I think, and, and I, I got to thank you for that because I, I constantly think about that even today. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, as entrepreneurs, yeah. you've got to continually be looking at yourself in, yeah. and, and judging yourself in, and thinking to yourself, well, whether I am in that position, have I done a good day's graph today? Yeah. Was it worth going to the, that, going to that, going in there and putting that type of hard work in? Yeah. And I think you've got to keep on asking those, those questions on a continual basis. Um, and that's why I think you've got, oh, thank you. and you've continually been at, at the top of your game and in, t- in the top of the game of um, real estate here in Qatar. What's your next steps? What I is think your... in the podcast right there then. I'm just going to stop at that. <laughs> I, I, but, I, but I don't want to stop. I, the, the one thing I would say is I want to, I, I want to get, where do you go now? Well, you know, as we mentioned, we're opening up in Dubai. That's our next big thing. So the next number of years, that's going to be my focus. Um, you know, we can't, you and I have talked about Saudi. You can't ignore what's happening there, but I'll keep it a brief on, a watching brief on Saudi. But for now, Dubai is going to occupy a good bit of our time. That's where I see it for us. And, and, and that's for me, it's, it's not, people say, oh, are you leaving Doha? Not a chance. You know, we want to keep growing Doha, but I just want to add Dubai on and, and grow that business. Jeffrey, yeah. you inspire me every single day. The way kind. that you can keep yourself up there, the way that you you keep on improving, and you do keep on improving, you're you're I, I, honestly you're an inspiration to me, and I, I watch you so closely. Yeah, far too kind, but thank you for the kind words, Jeffrey. Thank you very much for coming on our show today, and My thank pleasure. you for being, sharing with us your journey and also some insi- valuable insights on 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 the entrepreneurship and the way things are in Qatar and and what startups should be doing and taking care of. So on that, I want to just say thank you very much for joining us today um this for me was a, a really valuable exercise because i haven't seen jeffrey for a long time and we've we've we have little touches here like near and there but to be quite honest with you what what this brings to me is it, it it's i keep on saying to you this every single time every one of us has got the opportunity to grow it's whether you want to grow you want to push yourself you've got that desire you've got that work ethic because if you have then things start happening for you people start spotting you people give you opportunities and you become very lucky is there a thing called luck or is it your hard work that goes down to it i know in our cases it's because of our hard work anyway thanks very much for listening this week um enjoy it enjoy the journey keep on pushing as hard as possible and you'll eventually get there never give in you've just got to keep on pushing thanks very much for listening this week bye for now